Hey, dude, this dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. you pet stylists you found the groom pod welcome to our virtual salon my name is Susie, and i'm your host i'm a mobile groomer from seattle washington and anyone who knows me will tell you i love to talk especially about my job one of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show miss barbara bird Yo, Susie, what's up this week? Well, we've been thrust into fall here in the Northwest. I had to put long sleeves on. It was bound to happen, though. Welcome to episode 387 of the Groom Pod, recorded on September 24th, 2023 in Snohomish, Washington and Tucson, Arizona. This podcast is brought to you by our kind sponsors, The Listeners, and Best Shot, Show Season, Evolution Shears, Groomore, and Stazco. And if you guys would like to support the show, show or to support Barbara, you can do it at our website. If you want to send some money to Barbara to help her get through this rough time, you can do so with the donation button. And if you want to give us a little sustaining help for the podcast, you can do that through Patreon. This week, we're going to talk about, well, every breath you take. We're going to talk about inhaled stuff. What's new is brought to you this week by Groomore Software. If you haven't found Groomore, you're missing out. Groomore is an all-in-one software solution for your grooming business. Whether you are a solo mobile groomer or manage several shops, Groomore has everything you need. 24-hour online booking and forms, routing, credit card processing, reminders, Google Calendar and QuickBooks integration, and so much more. And the best customer service anywhere. Shop mobile or house call, Groomore has you covered. And they're giving us a free month. Just enter GroomPod22 in the coupon code. I've got a news item for you. Oh, okay. News item flash. And it's not a happy flash either. It's kind of a it's kind of a downer, actually. There's been some groomer dog abuse in the news recently and it's icky really icky like for instance there was a dog that was beaten to death by its groomer a doodle and it happened in a shop i now i couldn't watch the video because i just i can't i can't go there because it'll damage me for life i'm sure but apparently other employees of the shop were actually in the room while this was happening and they didn't do anything to stop it. And that's just horrible. And another dog lost its eye through handling. <clears throat> and that all happened this week. So there's a lot of conversation going on about being rough on the table and losing your temper and managing all that. And this is, of course, why I did the behavior class with Chrissy Newmeyer-Smith, the creator of Creating Great Grooming Dogs. Say that name again. With whom? With Chrissy Newmeyer-Smith, Creating Great Grooming Dogs. This is why I did the certification through her, is to make sure that I never do this to a dog ever. And I just, I, it's unfathomable to me. It is unfathomable, especially to kill a dog. I have fantasized about that, but I don't really mean it. Right. I remember in days gone by, 
where before you went through, you know, you went through that that training, but I benefited from it because we talked about it and you shared about it and I got it. I mean, and and also I've had some interaction myself with Chrissy Newmeyer-Smith and she's absolutely spot on and she creates fear-free grooming is a thing, people, but I remember losing my temper with dogs and getting extra forceful, you know, like, okay, you son of a bitch, I'm doing this. And um, I, I'm not really striking them, but really getting extra forceful and somewhat mean-tempered and bad to them. And my mentor, who was a fantastic stylist in scissor hands, he groomed through intimidation. He was six foot two. He was, you know, even though he was gay, he was just like very curt with these dogs. And he kind of came from a dog show background, which is handles dogs or considers dogs a little bit differently than most groomers do because handlers start to handle the animals like or consider the animals as things more than as people. <laughs> Just to be, you know, a little exaggerated. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but that to make the point. And in dog showing circles, you get the job done no matter what. You sit on dogs and get their nails done. You just, you do whatever you have to. You put them on blocks and they stand there for hours while you hand strip or prepare them at the show. I've seen Fox Terriers standing on blocks for longer than an hour, way longer. There's just a different attitude. And he came from that background and also a boarding kennel background. And when you're in a boarding kennel, it's kind of like being a number. Where we worked was a boarding kennel and grooming, and we groomed, actually, he lived there, and we groomed in his living room, and we would have to reconstruct it every night. We'd have to clean it thoroughly and reconstruct it and put his big pillows and, you know, his hippie days and all that back together, and then we'd party a little bit, and then we'd go home. But um, <laughs> uh, So I, I was this little bleeding heart person that came to work and I would go into the boarding area and talk to the dogs. Oh, hi, buddy. How are you today? Are you okay? You having a nice vacay? And, you know, stuff like that. And they made fun of me. And actually, he didn't like me going back there because I stirred things up. Well, yeah, I brought him back to life. And there was a tendency that when you're having a hard time, you just get more firm. You can slip into abuse. I learned in a vet hospital about animal restraint. And in the case of holding a dog for, say, for instance, the doctor to examine a painful spot, you do have to hold them safely because the doctor's hands are in your care basically. And you can't let go and you have to be a little bit more forceful. So when I transitioned into grooming and I was out of that hospital, I certainly started thinking that, well, I just need to hold the dog tighter, but I'm 
really strong. And that's not the right answer. And then as I went along, the dog's experience became more important to me. And I started to look at that, which is why I naturally fell into the behavior case kind of a situation, because it's naturally what I look at. And when you're dealing with a dog and you're getting frustrated, some things you can ask yourself is, what is the dog getting from this? Why is the dog struggling? Is there a pain issue? And and I, for one, after the pain issue, I always look at what I'm doing. What am I doing to cause this? Because I think oftentimes it's a hold and we don't realize there's a pain issue there or it's not letting the dog have enough time to prepare for the action. Like, for instance, when I'm doing a nail trim on a dog that has nail anxiety, I let them know what I'm doing verbally. And you would think that's silly. You're talking about talking to the dogs in the cages, but actually letting them know verbally, they can understand a lot of that and they can anticipate and be prepared. And if you give them a break, sometimes that helps too. So those are things you can look at, but uh, never lose your temper with the dogs. It's not their fault. We're doing things to them. We're doing things to them that don't occur in their regular life. And we need to be cognizant of that. I think my shift began when I adopted holistic grooming. I was selling health food, and so I just took it on to my whole identity and I was a holistic groomer. I advertised that for several years. And when I started looking at mind, body, spirit, I had to look at their mind, body, spirit. I had to look at what's going on at home. And that's a thing that uh, Chrissy Newmeyer Smith recognizes and, and, and has you or become aware of. When there's a divorce going on at home, dogs can become just terrible on the grooming table because they just don't know what the fuck, you know, and there's a lot of shouting and fighting and hostility and maybe even physical abuse at home. They're going to be afraid and they're going to, you know, and they're going to cover that up by being defensive or what you could call hyper defensive. And, you know, some dogs are just more, um, some dogs are more stoic than other dogs. And we've talked about this in terms of hand stripping is that some dogs are so sensitive to having their hair plucked that it's, they're not a good subject for that. And other dogs just stand there and, you know, meditate or kiss your, lick your hands at the worst. You know, kissing your hands is, by the way, is not an expression of um, happiness or <laughs> love. They're telling you to stop. It's anxiety. <laughs> it's stress. It's, it's hey. Anxiety. They want to stop your hands from whatever you're going to do. So, you know, like you got to, you got to kind of got to read between the lines you know you gotta gotta learn to speak their language and oftentimes groomers don't take the time you know and they don't take the time we don't have the time and i think that when you've been working in shops that have a high volume demand on you, you let go of a lot of that because you just don't have time to fuck around you're so right. You're so right. And that's one of the areas where 
You should recognize the limitations or learn to recognize the limitations. I'm not saying you have to recognize the limitations, but recognize the limitations of the shop you're in and perhaps refer that type of dog somewhere else where it's a smaller one-on-one or express grooming or something where it's less hectic because some dogs do not do well in that chaotic environment. And some dogs do not, some dogs do not do well in the presence of other dogs. Very much. Um, that's the case of the um, South Dakota Wheat and Terrier mix that I groomed that that got fired from two or three places before he found his way to me. I, not only do I negotiate everything I do with him, I handle his leg before I shave it. And I tell him I'm going to shave your leg now. Um, but he's very easily distracted and not nice around other dogs. And he just gets triggered, literally triggered. And then that feeling that he has towards other dogs can very quickly turn on to you. And then you take it personally because we have a tendency to do that. And then you take it personally and and taking it personally is something that we do a lot in grooming. We take clients personally. We take dogs personally. We just, we're just the kind of people, we probably took it personally all of our lives, you know, and we take dogs personally and then we get hurt feelings. And if you get to a point during a groom where you're actually having a fight with the dog, please stop. Take a step back. Let everybody settle back down. Do something else for a moment and let everybody's stress level come down before you even attempt to go back to what you were just fighting about. Because it's not going to get better if you continue to fight about it. And another thing. If you work in a situation where there's other groomers or other people in the shop, you can ask for help. You can offer help. We often do that. We listen. We hear each other grooming in the other room, which are adjacent. And then you can even look in there and see. But you can hear somebody going over the edge. And you can say, hey, can I help you out with that? They are mirrors of us. They will reflect exactly what we feel during the day. So if you're having a crappy day at home uh, and you bring it in and you're tense already, then you get a dog who has a difficult time with the process, boom, there's an explosion about to happen. And there's ways around that. You've got to think ahead. We need to be smarter than the dogs. That's a terrible subject and I hate talking about it, but I do want to mention some really cool subjects. Number one I want to mention again, Barbara has an article written about her by Jennifer Bishop Jenkins on Groomer to Groomer, and it's in the September issue. And if you guys have ever been curious about who this wonderful, magical hippie lady is, read that article. It pretty much spells it all out. And I just want to make sure everyone out there knows that. And on the podcast level, we now have a site that consolidates all the grooming podcasts out there. Everybody who ever wanted to do a podcast, all of the existing podcasts are all going to be in this one spot. And it's called Pet Pro Talk. It's a website. There's a Facebook page. And there'll be links to all of the podcast, including ours, and Chrissy Newmeyer-Smith's Creating Great Grooming Dogs, which will help you with all of your behavior issues. I think that's it for me. How was your week? 
Well, I had an upsetting event. You know, I'm embarrassed to talk about it, but I feel like I need to for y'all, not so much for me, because it's embarrassing that I cut a dog. And it was a first-time appointment. You're going to have an accident. It's so much better to have one with a customer for whom you've been grooming them for five years, and now you have an accident. First time. Oh, that's so hard. This lady, she's from New York. She came and visited Tucson a couple of years ago and liked it so much that she bought an apartment here. And she comes here every every winter, and she's actually here in September. Why? I don't know. But she loves Tucson, and she's looking for a groomer. And uh, she's got two four- and five-pound Yorkies. Oh, boy. I made the appointment. Now, she ran into my fabulous customer that I do her Yorkie every four weeks, and she overpays me and everything. And boy, she ran into that woman at a store or something. And so my customer said, well, you gotta go, you gotta go to Barbara. And so I took the, the dogs in. Well, one of them turns out to be 16 years old. Oh my, that's ancient. To bony. She's not ill or in poor health, but she's not vibrant and she's not filled out and she's bony and she's touchy and she's a little jerky. She's just a little old lady. And the lady wanted real short all over. Stupid me. I used the seven blade. Oh, okay. That's pretty short. The easiest way to clipper cut a dog is with a fucking seven blade. And I took that blade and used it on that dog. I would have been better off using an eight and a half blade and probably not had an accident. But as I was doing the one of the back legs, she jerked her leg up and the clipper gouged a little chunk out of the inside of the leg close to the flank. Shit. And I'll tell you, I stressed out, and I it's part of what's happening to me lately since my heart problem. Well, and probably before that, when I had a heart problem and didn't know it, right. is that I don't manage stress so well. I mean, I just do this old lady freak out. Uh, God. I, and that wasn't the first thing I did wrong. The first thing that I did wrong was I, I hand dried her on my table because I didn't want a force dryer. So I used my my brush dryer thing on her and my handheld dryer and I dried her gently like that. Well, the woman wanted the ears short, but blunt straight across. <laughs> While the ear hair was damp, I combed them down and I cut across. Well, it was too close. So the ears just go boing. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. Boing. And I hated it. Ugh. So I'm in trouble right from the get-go because I hate what I just did. And there's no going back. They're cut short. They're bouncing around up on top of her head. Fuck. <laughs> so then I proceed 
to clip her with a seven blade and on the first side of her, I gouged the flap of skin out. So fortunately, Dave was working with me that day because I couldn't locate the goddamn first aid kit. Okay, first thing about a first aid kit, it has to be in a very visible place and it has to be in that same place all the time so that even if you're asleep or in shock, you can just locate it immediately. No, it took me like 15, 20 minutes to find the goddamn first aid kit and actually had a whole breakdown and had to cry for Dave to help me. I can't find the first aid kit. And I was cursing the person that put it away on a bottom shelf behind a lot of larger black objects. It's a nice red, you can't miss it, bag. It's equipped like a paramedic. I've got a blood ox. I've got blood clotting stuff. I've got tissue repairing stuff. I've got ointment. I've got everything in there. But it doesn't help you unless you can find it. And it doesn't help you unless you can find it. And by the time that Dave scraped up the first aid kit, I was just like pretty much whacked out. Well, I did manage to clean off the wound and put some skin glue on it. I, you know, like by that time, there wasn't any real, I think I might have put freaking quick stop on it, which is. Ouch. Yeah, your words thing, that made it touchy. The dog no longer trusted me at all. And I don't blame her. How did it go with the lady? Well, you know, you sit there for hours. Well, not hours, but you just like, oh, God, I don't want to tell the woman. Oh, God, I don't want to tell the woman. Oh, God, I've got to tell the woman. So she comes in and she said, how'd it go? And I said, well... I don't want to tell you, but I had an accident with Coco and I clipper cut her. I mean, I just got right to it. And I said, you know, she zigged when I zagged while I was clipping inside her leg and I cut her inside of her leg and I've treated it. I've cleaned it and treated it and it should be fine. And she was okay. Well, that's good. And then fortunately, I did not like my whole <laughs> grooming at all. The whole grooming just looked like shit to me. I couldn't stand it. And I had Dave go over it because he's done these little short clips on little dogs. He's done a whole lot more of them than me because I have style to be shown more than him. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so I had him kind of fix it up a little bit. And he did the other dog and he did a great job on the other dog. So one of the dogs was injured and one of the dogs was better than it had ever looked. Okay. <laughs> well, that balances out a little. That balanced out a little and she said she'd be calling me. So I don't know. It broke me. Yeah, it's terrible when you do that. That's the opposite of what we want to do. It made me want to put down my clippers and go home. Okay, I retire. I'm done. You know, if I'm going to do this, to I'm just done. This is a fucking mess. I can't go on. 
But I got over it and I'm okay now. And she was not too freaked out. And she hasn't sent me a vet, vet bill. I told her if there was an associated vet expense, I would handle it. See, you handled it textbook, but it doesn't heal your heart. I told her how bad I felt. I said, this is the last thing I wanted to have happen with your dogs. And I am so sorry. You know, I mean, I just owned it and I owned my my grief over it. And we had old lady to old lady eye contact. She got it then. She looked into your heart and she got it. I'm sure of it. I'm reiterating to the world. Seven blades on old, fine parchment skin are most likely to cause a clipper cut. And I'll add to this. I don't use blades on old dogs. I always use the three rocker comb from Romani. It's almost as short as a seven. It's more like a five, but well, it I doesn't allow that. clipping. I'll send you one. I've got extras. You do it with a clipper vac and it's safe and it never cuts the skin. And I've never had somebody go, oh my God, that's too long. They're always completely pleased with it. And it's what I do with all my old dogs or my difficult dogs or dogs that have any issues with their front legs because so often we pull out those front legs. Yeah, I know. I had that problem in a poodle. Yesterday I did two toy poodles and they wanted to twist their heads off their neck rather than let me work on their heads. (laughs) They're so silly. Hey, let's take a break because we have a really interesting subject today. It's about all the stuff we breathe in our environment. So let's hear from our sponsors and then we'll be right back. Let me tell you about Best Shot's newest addition to the Ultramax Pro line. Ultramax Hair Hold is a flexible hairspray that can be layered on for a stronger hold. Ultramax Hair Hold Spray is great, but my favorite new product is called the Max and I won't groom without it. It's a fragrance-free ultra-concentrate conditioner and detangler. It reduces drying time and handles undercoat and tangles like magic. Just a few drops in the final rinse or spray it on and dry it in. Contact your favorite Best Shot distributor or learn more online at bestshotpet.com. Grooming success begins with Best Shot in your tub. Made from the best stuff on earth. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. This has been a topic on Facebook as well. Along with the dog abuse, it's groomers' lungs abuse. So we're in a finite environment. Most of us are in a little room with not great air circulation. And there's a lot of stuff in the air. Tell us all about it. First of all, I want to talk about grooming products. We've talked before about groomers' lung and hair, and I'll get back to that. But the specific question on our Facebook page was, say, when you're forced drying a dog, are we breathing in the products that we put on the dog and are they harmful? So I kind of want to put you at rest about that because the truth is particles have to be of a certain ultra small size and a certain light weight in order to be inhaled. And when we're high velocity drying a dog, the spray that comes off that dog is large droplets. And the product is in the large droplet of water. 
So there's very little possibility that we're actually going to, unless we just like get caught in the spray and put our face in it, <laughs> we're not going to breathe it. It's going to fall to the ground. It's going to fall maybe back on the dog and maybe to the ground, but it's not going to circulate a whole lot in the air when it's a water droplet, even though the fast drying sprays, what they do is use a surfactant or a silicone to make smaller particles. Even those particles are not small enough to be inhaled and cause any significant damage. I'm just going to put that at rest. We're not in that much of a hazard, although blowing the dryer on a dry, dirty dog, that's hazardous because then you're blowing dirt and dust and dander and dander is very lightweight it it can kind of circulate in the air for a while so those are lighter weight uh particles that are more dangerous okay, okay than, than actually our products the products that we have to look at are when we're spraying products because sprays make finer particles especially those continuous spray bottles well fluorosol yes the fluorosol bottles the continuous spray parasols they are close to aerosols and aerosols have more risk have more potential hazard because the aerosols are not only very fine particles, but they have the propellant, the chemical propellant that is not a, a real healthy stuff in them. And they stay in the air for a long time because they're lightweight and very fine. So they kind of drift around more. Is this like also the cool dry sprays that people used to use on the, I say used to because I have a clipper vac, but used to cool your blades off? That's aerosolized. Oh, yeah. Those cool dry sprays can be very toxic. In fact, I've seen, I'm looking at my shelf, I have some, I, I kind of bought a bunch of them one time several years ago, and I looked at the ingredients, and some of them say, this product contains ingredient that has been determined by the state of California to be carcinogenic. Prop 65. Prop 65, which I have mixed feelings about because they're kind of a little bit paranoid. They're enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, California is a little bit over the top on worrying about products. But nonetheless... Those aerosolized petroleum-based products, like your blade coolant and blade lubricant products, they're kind of nasty. Did I ever tell you how we used to clean blades? I think I did. You know what? We have 387 episodes. You've probably told us at least once somewhere, but tell us again. <laughs> I had a peanut can. And we had in it uh, motor oil and um, uh, what do you call it that you put on the charcoal? A lighter fluid? Yeah, lighter fluid. Ooh. Charcoal fluid in it. 
just to thin it out a little bit. And we would dip the clippers in there and run them a little bit. And then we'd stop and we'd wipe them off. And then we'd, you know, so it never even got in the air. We never aerated our blade cleaner. It was nasty and it's outdated and not useful anymore. And you don't even want it in your grooming shop because it's freaking flammable. Say that freaking flammable five times. See what happens to your tongue. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So going back to the stuff we're blow drying around. We don't really need to fear high velocity drying as inhalation hazard. But we need to be respectful of forest drying and, and be conscious of what we're putting on there. And there again, really helps if you know your ingredients, because plain old surfactants are not a health hazard and silicone is not a health hazard. And here's another point cationic conditioning ingredients are going to stick to the hair. They're not going to come off into the air. Their job, their ionic bonded, temporarily glued to the hair. So those ingredients aren't going to be a health hazard. So those are some things to think about. So I got into a whole several conversations with my BF AI. Your BFAI. (laughs) Artificial intelligence pointed out to me that it's not just the size of the particle, although the size of the particle is probably the biggest thing. Oh, here's something. AI told me that paper masks don't give us much, if any, protection against fine small particles. Paper masks are not equipped with the specialized filtering materials designed to capture small airborne particles that you get in respirators. So these masks have larger pores that do not effectively filter out particles in the same way that respirators do. So they provide limited protection Interesting, because we see the pictures of the big grooming schools like in Thailand. Everybody's wearing a mask. A paper mask, just a regular paper or a cloth mask. Well, that's because the paper masks may offer some reduction in exposure to larger particles like dust and pollen. And those people are very pollen sensitive. I'm pollen sensitive myself. They said that they just tend to sneeze and and drip a lot. But according to AI, even wearing a cloth mask with a paper mask on top is not going to significantly reduce your risk of inhalation of microparticles. So So you got to have that N95 or the KN95. Those are just medical masks and their surgical masks are not enough The KN95s are the one they recommend for people who work in woodworking and have the saws and stuff like that. Okay, so those are large particles. You know, what about um, nail dust? Yeah, what about nail dust? I've heard that's bad. Okay, well, there hasn't been any studies. There hasn't been any studies of any of this, by the way. We're just all guessing. Okay. 
I don't know what the size of nail dust is, but I think that's an interesting possibility because I think nail dust is a smaller particle. It's pretty fine when you get it on your fingers. There's ultra fine, fine, coarse, and kind of large. Those are kind of the particle sizes you know, inhalable, but there's just a whole lot of inhalable size. I'm looking at my notes and I'm a little bit about the um, fluorosol because fluorosol sprays produce a controlled mist rather than aerosolized particles. Those would be with a propellant. The risk of inhaling product drop, droplets is minimal when used as directed. That's interesting. Thank goodness, because I missed myself with my fluorosol bottle all the time. I generally don't breathe in when I'm doing it, but, you know, that's where the cologne is. So Yeah, so here's the stuff about product particle size categories. Ultrafine nanoparticles, um, particles with a diameter less than 0.01 micrometers. Well, that's some really, really tiny particles. And they have the highest potential for deep penetration into the respiratory system. Fine particles are the next step up. These particles are inhalable and can penetrate the respiratory tract, potentially reaching the lungs. Coarse particles are larger and less likely to reach the lungs. So they coarse particles, which are more what we deal with in our grooming environment, they can be inha inhaled into the upper respiratory tract. You have to realize that the respiratory system isn't just the mouth and then that goes into the lungs. There's all this filtering mechanism that is the bronchial area. So I know that I have a lot of allergies and I have asthma, but most of my stuff is way at the top of my breathing area. It's like just past my mouth where it all gets well, collected that, up. And that's the truth. And that's true for most people. Now, people who have histories of respiratory sensitivity, such as yourself with a history of asthma, you're more likely to have an inhalation problem with grooming product sprays than somebody else. But it kind of just seems to result in phlegm. I mean, and we have to think about Jody Murphy, who's one of the ones that has a life-threatening respiratory problem that she acquired uh, grooming in a mobile unit. But she probably had a predisposition. So the person's body and their resistance is important to the equation. Does that make any sense? Yeah. If you're healthy, it's not likely to be a problem. If you have previous lung conditions, then you might have a little more... I mean, I know what happens to me. I have these ferocious sneezes. When something goes down the wrong tube, I have these big sneezes that happen. And that, and that's a defense mechanism. That's my body casting it aside out of here. Chew. I figure that snot is mine. It catches everything. It's gross and sticky, and it's 
at the top of my lungs and nothing's getting past the snot. <laughs> Sorry, too much information there. Now here, here this AI says source matters. The source of particles also matters. Some activities are, or materials can generate particles that are more hazardous due to their composition or size. For example, combustion processes like vehicle exhaust can produce fine and ultrafine particles that are a particular concern, mm. right? Yeah. What artificial intelligence does, they give you this great breakdown of your question, and then they'll do something in summary at the very bottom. So in summary of my particle size question, in summary, particle size is a key determinant of inhalation risks. Smaller particles, particularly fine and ultrafine particles, have a higher potential to be inhaled deeply into the respiratory system and may carry health risks. Proper product design, labeling, and usage instructions, as well as appropriate safety measures are essential to mitigate inhalation risks, blah, 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 blah. Read your labels. Read your labels. Yeah, you know, like they're not going to unload. Well, I can't say I trust everybody, but. If it's hazardous, they've got to put it on the label, pretty much. I mean, well, not so much here, but definitely in California. While we're talking about lungs and inhalation hazards, let's uh, revisit the topic of groomer's lung. All right. Is groomer's lung a thing? Now, actually, artificial intelligence couldn't find anything on groomer's lung. I found a lot of stuff on Google. So, oh, here's something. Groomer's lung could not find anything about a condition called groomer's lung. When asked about damage caused by inhalation of hair, AI said, it's important to note that lung damage from hair inhalation is relatively rare. The human body has defense mechanisms such as coughing, mucociliary escalators. Snot, snot, see, I knew it. <laughs> By which mucus and foreign particles are moved out of the respiratory tract, which help prevent foreign objects from reaching the lungs. I know, and there's macrophages that actually attack substances and consume them and remove them. We're amazing. We're just absolutely amazing. <laughs> We're not just victims. <laughs> so even though AI couldn't find groomer's lung, the internet seems to know a lot about groomer's lung. Hmm. One article describes a condition like this. Groomer's lung is a chronic condition caused by the accumulation of pet hair when a dog is groomed and has tons of fur and dander that can be inhaled. Oh, Patty. Oh, my goodness. This is fear-mongering. This residue can accumulate in the lungs and affect their function. The debris in the lungs can cause scar tissue and inflammation. Some people experience chest pain and chronic coughing. In severe cases, groomer's lung can be fatal. Oh, I want to know who died from that, from pet hair in their lungs. <laughs> Another article online says, groomer lung is a common issue 
that every pet owner should be aware of to make sure their lungs stay healthy. Groomer's lung is caused when pet hair and fur clumps are trapped in the human lung and is most common among pet groomers. This is because pet owners shave, brush, and sniff the animal's fur, which leads to residual hair and fur in the air. With this material floating in the atmosphere, the pet groomers tend to breathe it in. This is a perfect example of connecting dots that don't connect. Well, listen to this. This is my favorite article. This one, it was a really long article. And it had a lot of these you know, blocks of an advertisement in the middle of it. She says, uh, groomer's lung is a condition that can be caused by exposure to aerosolized shampoo and other grooming products. There is no cure for groomer's lung, but there are steps you can take to help prevent it from happening. First, always wear a mask when grooming your pet. Second, avoid breathing in aerosolized products. Finally, make sure to wash your hands thoroughly after grooming. Well, how are you going to avoid breathing in the aerosolized products if they're in the air around your head? The only thing that makes any sense there is the wash your hands. And I will maintain that groomers don't wash their hands enough. Yeah, we've talked about that before. So then after another one of these advertisements, she comes in and she starts all over again. Groomer's lung is a condition that can be caused by exposure to aerosolized feces and other organic material. It's caused by that you breathe in shit. (laughs) Give me a fucking break. How does feces become aerosolized? No explanation. Oh, this just shows you how much it's presented as though it's professional information. This writer then goes into a a kind of a tangent about uh, allergens and irritants in grooming environment. And she says, another common source of allergens and irritants in grooming environments is grooming products. Products such as shampoos, conditioners, and spray can contain a variety of chemicals that can cause respiratory problems. The best way to reduce your exposure is to wear a mask. Masks can protect your lungs from the harmful chemicals in grooming products, which we just said masks were insufficient. Now, here is the most stupid sentence of all times. Are you ready? I'm ready. Quote, one of the most common sources of allergens and irritants in grooming environments is animal dander. The best way to reduce your exposure to animal dander is to keep animals out of the grooming area. (laughs) What do you think, Susie? Oh, my goodness. Well, it's hard to earn a living that way. (laughs) (laughs) Keep animals out of the grooming area. Yeah. Well, what do you do in the grooming area then? <laughs> Isn't that something? Yes, I love it. That's an article. Oh, God. Is that going to help you believe the whole article? No. Wow. The most stupid sentence of all times. Indeed. 
Most common sources of allergy and irritants in grooming environments is animal dander. The best way to reduce your exposure to animal dander is to keep animals out of the grooming area. And they just leave it at that. Boom. <laughs> so medically, there is a thing called groomer's lung, medically. But it was initiated by a medical case that was a case of a 61-year-old male groomer that had inhaled a lot of pyrethrin spray. That was when the name groomer's lung got to be a thing in the medical literature. Now, I can see that. That makes sense. And I can see that. Yeah. You know, and apparently he was spraying every dog a lot of times. And he continued grooming, but he stopped using pyrethrin sprays. And I bet his groomer lung went away. <laughs> okay. This is interesting. This is a lot of misinformation, as usual. I don't know why it should surprise me, but it's a shitload of misinformation. shitload of misinformation about groomer's lung as if it really is an established thing and like these people know what it's caused and, you know, what to do about it. No. It's interesting also that AI couldn't find it. We just need to know serious problems like what Jody Murphy has are very rare. And you can minimize inhalation risk by cleaning your environment. Not using aerosols. Not using aerosols, maybe. And increasing ventilation. So, you know, it's true that the mobile grooming van is likely to be a trap. <laughs> I vacuum a lot. I have a shop vac and my space is small, so when I'm done cutting hair, I vacuum the little bit of hair that I've scissored and off. And you use the clipper vac. Yes, I do. You know, this idea that you're inhaling hair, how fine would you have to snip the hair to create a particle that could get into your lung? You cannot get clumps of hair into your lung. You cannot get enough teeny, eeny, weeny micro particles of hair into your lung. If you've ever had a hair sliver, the thought of that making it all the way down into your lungs is absolutely creepy. Have a hair sliver in your lungs, but it's never well, going to get that far. You're going to have a hair sliver in your lungs, but you might have a hair sliver in your upper bronchial. Certainly. And then apparently your body will break it down and it'll go away and you'll continue breathing. But be careful, you know, be mindful and keep asking these questions. I love it. I loved looking this shit up. Chris Bear Anthony visiting the groom pod again. Okay, so you know I love my Evolution Swivel Shears. And you even know that these customizable shears come in non-swivel as well. But did you know that they're the only ones I've been trusting my sharpening with for around 15 years? And that that's how we met? What? You haven't tried their sharpening yet? If so, send in your next batch of sharpening and you'll get one shear sharpened for free with a $75 order just for telling them where you heard about them. Your shears and blades will thank you. 
Sometimes my clients don't like a walking air freshener. When these crazy people request a scent-free option, I go right to show season. Show season true tearless shampoo and hypo conditioner fit the bill. They are totally fragrance-free and yet hold up on their own as good products. True Tearless has been expertly formulated to be gentle to the eyes, skin, and hair while maintaining good cleaning power. Hypo conditioner is a great option as well, and it's one of our favorite conditioners with or without fragrance. So let's get fragrance-free. Use True Tearless and Hypo Conditioner from Show Season today. Go to showseasongrooming.com. Barbara, this topic has been a breath of fresh air. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> About that for 20 minutes, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, I have. All right, guys. Thanks for being here with us. We really appreciate you. Even if we don't win the honors award, we know you guys love us, and that's what's important. We'll keep pumping out the content for you, and you guys, please keep showing up. Thanks for everything. Happy grooming, and see you next week on The Groom Pod. Bye-bye now. Take care of yourself. See ya.